Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. <laughs> Let's get into the Word today. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wanted to give up? I know, if you're, if you're like me, man, giving up is just not an option. I mean, I don't like to give up. But there are times, there are days, aren't there? There are seasons in our life, there are situations where we can be up against something or we can feel as if we are on a treadmill, that no matter what we try, we make no progress at all and we feel like giving up. Anybody ever been there before? You know, I think sometimes we, we, we find that maybe we don't want to give up, but maybe we just lose heart. We just kind of, we kind of think that there's, when, when you face a situation that you think uh, is not, there's not hope, it's easy to give up and it's easy to lose heart. And uh, sometimes the wind just gets knocked out of our sails. And uh, I know I've experienced times like this, and I think many of us experience some of those times. Life can be painful, can it? Troubles can come, trials can come, situations can come, stressors can come, and sometimes we can just feel overwhelmed and suffocated. Oftentimes progress is slow, and that's where you lose heart, when, when, when you stop seeing progress, when you're putting a lot of effort and energy into something, and it seems like at every turn there's just no progress, it's easy to lose Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and that's where we're going to be today, is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So if you have a copy of God's Word, or maybe you downloaded the PAG app and you want to follow along with the notes, certainly the verses are on the screen. Twice in in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, one at the beginning and one at the end, Paul uses the phrase, we did not lose heart. We did not lose heart. And he's about to talk about some of those Troubles. In fact, he opens 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 1 with these words, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. This is a personal letter that Paul was writing to a church in Corinth. To the people that he had ministered to and and to other believers that had come to know Christ even after he left. He spent about 18 months in Corinth planting the church in the city of Corinth. and, and, And many had come to know Christ. Many had come to receive the gospel. A church had been birthed and planted. And after 18 months, uh, Paul then left uh, that church. But Paul knew that life wasn't easy. In fact, he left that church and he went to Ephesus, and and as he's writing this personal letter of 2 Corinthians, he's experienced some hardship that has now taken place in Ephesus. In fact, city after city that Paul went to, not only did he see great things that the Lord had done, but he also experienced fierce opposition. He experienced hardship. He experienced persecution. He experienced a lot of trouble. And with the Corinthian church, after he had left, he also experienced a pretty tumultuous relationship with them, as we talked about last week. It was not easy. It was difficult. And at times, as Paul was writing, and we know 2 Corinthians isn't the second letter, there was some kind of a letter in between. Many believe there were actually four letters, two of which we don't have, but one that Paul says was a severe letter. 
He talks about a painful visit that he made to them. And so in the midst of all of that, in the midst of the conflict and the trials, it can be easy when you are up against it. Have you ever been in a, a relationship that just was a hard, it was just a struggle? How many of you know that's not an easy place to be? It, it can be easy to lose heart. And, and, and yet, even though there were plenty of reasons for discouragement, in verse 1, Paul says that it was through God's mercy we have this ministry. The, the ministry was the mercy of God. And because I'm seeing it through those eyes, I, we do not lose heart. In fact, in, opening, in the opening part here, as Paul describes this battle that's going on, he describes it as the battle against the God of this age. How many remember in the Daniel series, we talked about the fact that we're in a spiritual battle? There's an unseen battle. There's a spiritual battle that is taking place. And that is part of what Paul begins to help us to understand is that in the midst of this conflict, Paul didn't simply see it as a physical conflict, but he recognized that there was a very real spiritual conflict that was going on within the church in Corinth, within the city of Corinth, within the people of Corinth, and not, every, all, not just there, but in every place that he was. In Ephesus that he had just left out of a lot of conflict, he recognizes that in the midst of sharing Christ, in the midst of sharing faith, the conflict was not just a physical battle with people, but rather a spiritual battle against the God of this age. And he writes this, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. Even if our gospel is veiled, and, and you have to look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I skipped over that because I really wanted to get to, to this part, felt led to go here today, talking about the veil of the gospel. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. And then look what he says. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I think this is really important. I think it's really important. If you are a believer in Christ, I think this is a really important picture for us to understand. I think it's really important for us to see because I think sometimes we forget have you ever wondered at times when you've looked at, 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 at some of the things going on around and the decisions that people make and some of the problems that we have and the anger that we see going on in our world today and, and some of the displays that we see, uh, immorality and those kind of things. Have you ever kind of thrown up your hands and go, why do they think that's okay? Have you ever done that? Why would they, why would they want to do that? Why, why does that, why, why do people do that? Maybe you've looked at family members, maybe you've looked at children, maybe you've looked at spouses, maybe you've looked at friends and you're just thinking, why are they doing that? Right here. Because the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. How many remember when you were blinded? Come on, how many love that song? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, right? That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind. 
But now I see how easy we forget the grace and mercy of God upon our lives. And when we forget how quickly it is that we can begin to judge, forgetting that there is a spiritual blinder because the God of this age is at work and there is great conflict. Paul says, however, (laughs) we do not quit. However, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Although there is this battle, although there is this blinding, we do not lose heart. By the mercy of God, we have this ministry. And even in this ministry, there is conflict and there is veiling. And it seems at times that there is fruitlessness. And I don't know what's happening. And why isn't it getting any better? And why are there trials? And why aren't things moving forward? But we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart. And he shares in the midst of the trials that the Corinthians face, in the midst of the trials that he shares, kind of his own biography, but he begins to, to autobiography, begins to open up a little bit. And starting in verse 7, he, he helps us to begin to understand some things as to why we don't lose heart. And I just pray that this morning the Holy Spirit will encourage you. That today if you're battling something, if you are in a a situation where you're feeling as if I'm ready to lose heart, I'm ready to give up, I'm ready to quit, I pray that today you will be encouraged by by these words. So so here we have some, in in this next section, some contrasts. Paul is going to talk about the outward versus the inward. The temporary versus the eternal. He's going to bring some contrast. And out of that contrast, we can be encouraged that we don't lose heart because. We don't lose heart because, number one, we have a valuable treasure. We have a valuable treasure. Look at verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We, we, we have this treasure in jars of clay. How many have heard the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover? Right? Don't, don't judge a book by its cover. Or at Christmas time, right? Good things come in little packages. Right? We, 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 we hear those things. And Paul's talking about an outward versus an inward. Here he's talking about treasure. But the treasure is, not, is found in, in something earthen. Earthen vessels is a, another way the translation goes. Jars of clay. What, what is this treasure within this earthen vessel? These jars of clay. What, what is this treasure that lies within? Well, in Paul's day, many people would store their valuables not in in ornate outward packaging, but they would hide them and they would store them inside just earthen jars, just the average earthen jars. They would, they would kind of stick it in. Well, what's the treasure that Paul is talking about? Paul says the treasure is Jesus. The treasure is this gospel. It, 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 it's, it's Jesus. It's God himself living inside. The treasure is the gospel. We see this throughout scripture. In fact, Jesus talked about it in, in a couple of different stories, a couple of different parables in Matthew chapter 13. The one was about a man who happened to be walking through a field in Matthew chapter 13. And as he's going through this field, he stumbles 
upon something valuable. He, he stumbles upon a treasure down in the dirt. And when he, when he finds this treasure, Scripture says that he sells everything that he has to buy the entire field because of that treasure. Treasure was down in the dirt. But yet he sold all he had. And then right after that, he, he talks about a pearl. And that pearl is, is found in, in, the, in the midst of an ugly oyster. In the midst of the ugly oyster, there's a, a priceless pearl. And it says that there's another man that discovered this pearl. And when he found it, he sold all that he had to purchase the pearl of great price. In both of these cases, you have a container, whether it's a, a dirty, ugly field that holds a treasure or an ugly oyster that holds a treasure, and the outward is something that wastes away. The outward is something that isn't anything that is great or grand, anything in particular, but it's the treasure that's inside. It's the treasure. The outward doesn't reflect the value of what's inside, and the contrast of this passage is that the truth of the gospel comes in a human container. A human container. And in fact, the clay jar refers not just to our physical body, but rather to our humanity. God has chosen to entrust the gospel to frail, broken human beings. I don't know about you, but if I'm God and I've got a plan... It's not going to be to entrust it to people like me. Right? How many would say, God, that's not very smart. I know me. That's not very smart, but that's not God. God chooses to entrust his treasure to broken people like us, to, to the treasure of his spirit, to put his, his treasure in, in clay pots. So look at your neighbor and say, I'm a clay pot. I'm a clay pot. I'm a clay pot, I, I, that's all I am. On the outside, I'm ordinary. But on the inside, because I know Christ and I have received his gospel, I have a priceless treasure on the inside. Right? Ordinary people filled with an extraordinary God. And, and in fact, this is to show why. Why does God do this? Why does he package it this way? To show that the all-surpassing power of God. To show the all-surpassing Power is from God and not from us. So in other words, it's not about us. It's not about how good we are, how talented we are, how pretty we are on our selfies that we like to take and post on Insta, you know, and snap crap, you know. Um, did I say that? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not about how pretty I am. It's not about how talented I am. It's not about how athletic I am. It's not about how popular I am. It's not about how nice I dress and if I got the latest drip on my feet or not. If you don't know what drip is, ask a teenager. Right? It doesn't matter. Right? Because it's not about me because the packaging on the outside is what is broken and frail and wastes away. It's about the treasure that we have on the inside. It's about the treasure. I'm just a clay pot. I'm just a cracked one at best. I'm just a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the pot or the vessel is just made to hold something. 
That, that's the beautiful figure that, that our humanity is designed not to operate on our own, but to contain the very treasure of Jesus Christ, his presence, his spirit, his gospel within us. That's the glory of humanity. We never get away from that. It's always corresponded to that, that we were, we were meant to be carriers of the, of the treasure of the gospel of the spirit of God. That's what we were meant. So when we're not doing that, we're out of sync with God. When we're not doing that, we, we, we lack peace. We lack joy. We wonder why. We just don't, just something doesn't feel right. We struggle with our identity. And so we try to find our identity in all of these other things that, that are all outside. They're all outward forms. They're all these outward things that, that say my identity is that I be successful or I be beautiful or I be popular or I be athletic or I be smart. All of these outward things. And when those outward things start to dry up, we're like, we're like Solomon in Ecclesiastes. We find vanity, vanity of all vanities, meaningless, meaningless. Because it's about the treasure within. In fact, I think that it's kind of Thinking along the Old Testament story, how many remember the story of Gideon? If you were with us back in January and February, we went through the book of Judges. We talked a little bit about Gideon. Gideon was one of those judges. Israel had disobeyed God. They had, they had started to follow idols, idolatry. And as a result, God took his hand of protection and favor off of them. And their enemies came in and they began to attack and oppress them. A very big army, the Midianite army would come in and they would literally every, every season of harvest, they would begin to oppress the Israelites and they would strip everything that they had planted and they had worked so hard when it came time for the harvest, they would come in and they would take it. And so when God finds Gideon, he finds Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. You don't thresh wheat in a wine press, but Gideon's in the wine press trying to hide it from the enemy. But yet God calls him and says, No, I am choosing you, and you're going to be the one that will help to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of the Midianites, for I have heard Israel's call. I've heard their cry. And so this unlikely man by the name of Gideon begins to rally uh, uh, the people together, and, and, and he rallies 32,000 men who come and say, we will stand with you and we'll fight against the Midianites. The Midianites had a vast army. 32,000 was already at a disadvantage. They were, they were already underdogs. They were already like the Texans today against the Browns. Can I throw that in there? Ha, 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 ha. Did I just jinx it? I hope not. If they lose, it's my fault. Um, no, the, 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 they were already outnumbered. God said, you know what, 32,000? That's still too many. That's still too many. And so through a process of, of sifting through, just like the wheat sifting through, Gideon found himself down with just 300 men to go against a vast army that had been encamped around. And do you know what the strategy was? Here was, here was the strategy the strategy against these 300 soldiers in the Midianite camp was to go at night to take clay jars and to put, put fire, to put a light, put a candle inside of those, those jars, a light inside of those jars. And those jars were hiding the light that was inside, just ordinary jars. But they were to, to line up and sneak around and surround the Midianite camp 
And, and so they broke into groups of 100, and, and each group of 100 was to surround. And at the trumpet blast, they were to break the jars. And when they did, literally throughout the, throughout the surrounding area uh, and all of the trees and the forest of, of surrounding, all of a sudden, all of these lights start showing up in the darkness. And it confused the Midianite army to where they thought a larger army was coming because they didn't know. And they were woken in the middle of the night to the trumpet and all of these lights. And in the panic, they started to fight against each other. And Israel didn't even have to fight because God fought for them that day. Why? Because of the treasure in jars of clay. But do you know how the light was seen? The light was seen in the crushing and the breaking. It wasn't until the frail treasure of the, the outward clay pot and the jar was broken that the all-surpassing power and light could shine through. You say, Pastor, why do we got to go through trials? Pastor, why do I got to go through hardships? Why do, does, does sickness attack? Does God allow sickness to, to still attack my body even though in his word he promises healing? Why, why do I experience conflict? Why do I experience stress? Why do I experience seasons of grief, seasons of brokenness in my life? Why, why, do, I, why do I experience the frailties and the weaknesses of humanity? It's so that the all-surpassing glory of God might shine through. Look at the next verse, verses 8 and 9. For we are hard-pressed, this is Paul, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, we're confused, we're just, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, all but not destroyed. You see the paradox? <laughs> oh, the pressing has come. Yeah, we're, we're being pressed. Yeah, we're experiencing the trial. Yeah, we're experiencing the, the difficulty. We're being, we're being pressed, but oh, <laughs> we're not crushed. We're, 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 we're perplexed. We're confused. We don't understand it, but oh, we're, we're not in despair. We're, we're persecuted. <laughs> oh, but we're not abandoned. I'll never leave you nor forsake you, says the Lord. We're, we're not abandoned, right? We're not a, we're not abandoned. We might be struck down, oh, but, but we are not destroyed. You see, it's through the weakness and the breaking that the glory and the power of the Lord shines through. J. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to inland China, he said this, all God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on him being with them. It's God's power and strength. It's God's power working through frail and broken humanity. Warren Wearsby, and I've been using his commentary on, on 2 Corinthians, he writes this, Sometimes God permits vessels to be jarred so that some of the treasure will spill out and enrich others. Oh, I love that. Come on, suffering not only reveals the weakness of man, but the glory of God in the midst of the suffering, the faithfulness to God and the glory of God and God's favor and God's goodness and God's strength and God's peace that passes all understanding begins to spill out. Going back to, to the 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that God, God comforts us 
so that we can comfort others with the same comfort we ourselves have received. The shaking and the breaking spills out the glory of God so that others might see his power, might know his healing, might know the miracles that are available through him. But all too often, we want it to be like a a Disney park ride. If you've ever been to Disney, they had a ride called Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know, Caribbean, Caribbean, you know, one way or the other, tomato, tomato, I don't know. And if you ever rode on that, you got on this boat, and as you're kind of going down their their little river, there are pirates all around, and there's bang and boom and the splashing of the the cannonballs that are you're supposed to imagine are coming at you and your little boat is going navigating through and even though there's all the firepower all around and and the splashing going on you navigate to the other side untouched i think as believers we think that's the way it ought to be that we navigate through life we we know Jesus, so we navigate through life, never, never experiencing the trouble. It fires, but it's always a near miss, but never a, never a direct hit. But if you've known Christ for very long, you know that at times you take some direct hits. At times you experience pain. At times you're touched by it. At times you're pressed. At times you're persecuted. At times you feel struck down. Paul says, but we're not destroyed. We're not abandoned. We might be perplexed, but we don't have to despair. Why? Because within the crushing and the breaking comes the anointing. In the crushing and in the breaking comes the oil. God's an oil. You know, the olives. The oil doesn't flow until it's been crushed and the spirit and the glory of God oftentimes doesn't flow until you've gone through the crucible of the crushing and you've found that even in the midst of it, God is still faithful. He is still faithful. Always, right? Always. 2 Corinthians 4, 10 to 12, we carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Why? So that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Come on. What's he point to? Jesus. Because why? Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered, but not only did Jesus suffer, not only did he die, but he raised to life. So I may struggle, and I may experience the trials, and I may experience the pain, but I don't do so without hope because I know what Christ endured, and I also know what he overcame. I know what he overcame. Wearsby reminds us of this, that if we suffer, it is for Jesus' sake. And if we die to self, it is so that the life of Christ might be revealed in us. And if we go through trials, it is so that Christ might be glorified. Life in the midst of death, victory in the midst of defeat, treasure in a clay pot. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Secondly, we do not lose heart because we have a confident faith. 
a confident faith. It is written, verse 13, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe, therefore we speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Do you know the the word spirit of faith here has to do with outlook and attitude. The spirit of faith here is about outlook and attitude. It's not some special gift. This is not the gift of faith that we see with the gifts of the spirit in in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. No, this has something different. This is a a confident outlook. A confident outlook in in God who who is in control. That that God's in control. And and many of us know the hardship that that Paul faced. And and Paul understood the the crushing. Paul understood the persecution. He understood what it was like to to be ready to give up and, and throw in the towel, so to speak. But his hope and his confidence is in Jesus who not only died but was raised to life. That that is where his confidence is in. The circumstances that that not only allowed Christ to go through the suffering but also gave him the power and the hope of eternal life is the same confidence and the same faith and the same outlook that you and I can have. Trials are painful and difficult, but friends, there is hope beyond the grave. There is hope beyond death, and that gives us confidence to face no matter what comes our way. And Paul was so confident of this ultimate victory that he writes this in verse 14, because we know that the one who raised, we know that, we know that, that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise with, uh, raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. That's how confident he is. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. So many times we want to avoid, you know, and, and again, nobody has a death wish, all right? This isn't like, I want to die. But let's be honest, sometimes we're afraid of death. Sometimes we make decisions because of this fear of dying. This fear of what might come, this fear of, uh, and maybe we're not even experiencing, but the what-ifs can sometimes overwhelm us. And, and yet Paul says, has a different outlook, that if we focus on God and what he demonstrated through Jesus' own death and resurrection, because he raised him from the dead, we can have a confident faith that death is not the end. It is not the end for the believer. Death is not the end for the believer. You see, until a person is prepared to die, he's not prepared to live. Think about that for a moment. That's deep. That's like deep thoughts. You know anything from Saturday Night Live, way back, Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. No, this is Deep Thoughts by Paul. (laughs) Deep Thoughts by the Spirit of God. You know, I mean, until a person is prepared to die, he's not prepared to live. Paul lived with that mantra. Paul lived with that, that confidence that, that, that to live is Christ, to die is gain. Gain. When we talk about death, we say, I'm so sorry for your loss. Gain. What kind of outlook is that? Gain. 
gain? What, what kind of outlook is that? That is an outlook that looks at Jesus and says Jesus is the model and Jesus is the symbol. And we see that in Jesus, not only did he die, but he rose again. And when our faith is in Jesus, we can have a confident hope in the promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That we might, we might face a little pressing, but we're not crushed. We might be struck down, but oh, we're not destroyed. We might face a little persecution, but we are not abandoned. Because we have a confident faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trials are painful, they're difficult. But we have a hope beyond death. And it gives us a confidence to face whatever it is that comes our way. Let me share with you a story Abera Wada, excuse me, Abera Wada worked with Christian youth in southern part of Ethiopia during the time of the communist rule in 1974 to, to 1991. And he told the following story about a missionary, a missionary by the name of John Cumbers. And he said, word came from the commandant that the party leaders had studied my report about the work among the Christian young people. And the authorities had decided that I had to be executed because of my treasonous words. The only way that I was able to overturn or could overturn this sentence by the commandant was to deny that you are one of the believers. So deny that you're a believer and then you'll be, you'll be saved from this. And he says this, he said, what could I say? I told the commandant, if you execute me, I'll be immediately with the Lord. And the commandant replied, that's what I expected you to say. And then he writes this, as I awaited execution in prison... My Savior gave me songs to sing that I'd never heard before. He turned me into a composer. My fellow prisoners and I reveled in the joys and the praise to our God. In the midst of the prison, in the midst of the, of the death sentence that was coming. And, the, and he said that the guards kept trying to silence us. They, they kept trying to silence us, with, but with the threat of execution hanging over us, why should we keep quiet? Seven men had come to Christ in that prison. And we all sang together. Kind of reminds me of the words in Hebrews 13, 6. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? We have a confident faith. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Thirdly, and finally, we, have, we do not lose heart because we have an eternal perspective. Verses, verse 16 to 18, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. The outward and the inward. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Here's the paradox, right? The outward and the internal, in the inward. Outwardly wasting away, but inwardly being renewed day by day. Though the clay pot cracks, though the clay, the clay pot experiences pressure inside, we are renewed day by day by the Lord Jesus Christ. Inwardly. What on the outside may seem to be fading and cracking and suffering can be renewed by Jesus on the inside. And that's good news as we age for those of us that, that are getting older, right? Though outwardly we are wasting away. Where did that pain come from? It wasn't here yesterday. <laughs> Out of nowhere. 
Ooh, what is that? Though outwardly we are wasting away, why do I suddenly need reading glasses? I didn't need those before. How come that is blurry now? Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Friends, that's what we need. But what is that? It's contrasting the temporary and the eternal. And Paul calls these troubles light and momentary. And, and, and please, I know that maybe what you're going through does not seem light and momentary. In, 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 when we're in the middle of it, we can feel the crushing, the, the pressing. We, we can feel the weight. And it doesn't seem light. It seems heavy. And it doesn't seem momentary. It seems like we're going to be stuck in that forever. But friends, Paul is reminding us that in light of eternity, how do you keep from losing, how, how do you keep from losing heart? You, you've got to change your, your eyes. You've got to change your focus. You've got to change your perspective from what is in the temporary to what is in the eternal. So we fix our eyes not in what is seen. What is seen before us is heavy. What is seen before us is pressing. What is seen before us is, is, is cracking and breaking and struggle and, and what is seen before us seems like we're going to be in it forever but oh in light of eternity he says fix your eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen because there is something unseen that far outweighs it all that yes for the moment it is heavy but you might be pressed down but you're not crushed you might be perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned Struck down, but not destroyed. Oftentimes we get to be prisoners of the moment. Caught and consumed with what's happening right now. Thinking that there is no good end in sight. Oh, but Jesus. Oh, but the treasure that is in jars of clay. Oh, but the eternal. That in the midst of the pressing, in the midst of the crushing of my clay pot, that I begin to find a strength and the glory of the Lord that begins to spill out into everybody that I bump into. Trials working for my good. Working for the eternal. Therefore, I do not lose hope. So let me close with one final illustration. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and then I want to pray. If you're going through something, we want to pray with you today. If you're experiencing the crushing and the breaking, we want to pray with you today. Let me share one final illustration that I think might help with this idea of, of what is unseen versus what is seen. I'm a big college football fan, all right? I love the Buckeyes. Go Buckeyes, right? And uh, they're struggling this year, but go Buckeyes. <laughs> I was worried yesterday for a little while. But back in the, in the, <laughs> back in the early 80s, uh, the Wisconsin Badgers were playing the, the Michigan State uh, uh, Spartans. And uh, there was about uh, 60,000 or more diehard fans that happened to be uh, Wisconsin supporters. They packed into Badger Stadium and they were watching the game as, as the, the team took on. But it soon became obvious that, that Michigan State was a much better team at that time than Wisconsin, and they were just, they were just taking the Badgers to, to task. But what seemed odd is that as the score became more and more lopsided, and Michigan State was beating the Badgers, even though the, they were all Badger fans in the stadium, and it was Badger Stadium, throughout the stadium, oftentimes, you could hear cheers going on. What was happening? Why are there cheers going on when, when our team is losing? Well, because just down the road, 
uh, about 70 miles away, there was another game that was going on, and it was a baseball game. It was a World Series game between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers in game three, and the Milwaukee Brewers were beating the St. Louis Cardinals, and people were listening to it on their radios. So they're in Badger Stadium listening to the other game, and even though the Badgers are losing, they can hear that the Brewers are winning, and they're cheering. Friends, we need to tune in the radio of the Holy Spirit to the eternal. Because as we sit in the stadium of this world and watch, we can see that this world is passing away. That this world is troubled. And we experience some of the trials that come from a world that is broken by sin. And in the midst of it, it can seem hopeless. But oh, when you tune in the radio, you recognize that Jesus has already won, that victory is already there, that death is not the end, but there is eternal life. And we can hear the cheers of heaven, and we can hear the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, and we can hear those that Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off those things that entangle right? And, and those sins that bind up. And let us do what? Fix our eyes on who? Jesus! <laughs> Fix our eyes on Jesus! Are you tuning in the news too much and you find yourself in despair? Start tuning in the Holy Spirit. Start tuning in what the Lord says. Make your outlook an uplook. Because when, when your outlook becomes an uplook, your outlook changes. And though you might be perplexed, I don't understand. You don't have to be in despair. There is no reason believers ought to be in despair. There is no reason looking around and oh, our world and oh, our nation and oh. No. We ought to look at Jesus and say, what is our mission but that's difficult. Yes, treasures and jars of clay. Not because of our strength, not because we have greatness, but because we humble ourselves in weakness and walk through this breaking, this crushing, so that the glory of God might spill out of this clay pot. Let the glory of God spill out because there is a world that is in need and needs to know that there is hope Beyond all of the pain, beyond all of the trouble, beyond all of the trial, and invite someone in to see how you walk through the trials with a different outlook than everybody else in this world. Whew, all right. Let's bow our heads, Jesus. <laughs> Lord, let this message sink in. God, let us get it. <clears throat> let us recognize what we have in you. The hope that is in you. The salvation that is in you. God, unveil our eyes. Unveil our eyes. So that we can fix our eyes on you, on, on what, is, what is unseen. On the eternal. That we can have a confident faith in you, Jesus. Lord, I know there are some that are going through some really difficult things, and I just, 
I just pray right now for them. I pray, God, that you'll touch them. I pray, Lord, for your strength, that in the midst of the pressing, they would not be crushed. I pray for those battling with despair, feeling as if they're going to lose heart. God, I, I, I pray for those that feel struck down, that, God, they would see that, that they are not destroyed. I pray, Lord, for your spirit to encourage and to move today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.